And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is the Reverend Bill Shishko of Franklin Square Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Bill, it's great to have you here. Good to be back with you again, Dan. Well, uh, we really enjoy our times together. We have a really interesting area to talk about today to try to seek an answer to this question, and that is how do you deal with someone who has offended you? Um, More times than I'd like to think, you know, someone says something to me or perhaps our listener uh, knows of someone that has really hurt your feelings and, you know, you know, said nasty stuff or treated you terrible, horrible uh, things, maybe uh, um, embarrassed you in front of many others. And the first, um, I don't know, I guess call it a temptation. First temptation is is call your friend down the road (laughs) and say, you know what? A sister so-and-so really hurt me, really hurt my feelings. Uh, Bill, can you give us some pastoral guidance how to handle? Yeah, sometimes uh, that can uh, that can evidence itself from people saying, would you pray with me about this? And that makes it worse. We bring, we bring this matter up and, and pray about it. It becomes a, a, an unsanctified an unsanctified gossip session. Yes. But yeah, I think it's important to make a distinction. There are people who can say things to us that hurt us. Um, preachers have to do this all the time, uh, that are things we need to hear. Um, so if, you know, the, the Bible says, if the, let the righteous smite me, and it will be precious oil. And that, that, that comes when someone, you know, we're person's dating an unbeliever, or is uh, planning to get married to an unbeliever, or something like that. And, and someone... Uh, graciously but firmly says, no, that's that's not acceptable conduct for a Christian. Mm. Well, that can offend us, uh, but that's that's something that, that we need to pray for ourselves that we hear. I think what you're talking about is where there's actually sinful speech. Somebody loses his or her temper toward you, or, or somebody um, gossips about you, badmouths you, that kind of thing, mm. and brings about hurt. Yeah, Exactly. I'm sure you've seen it before as a pastor in a church, and, and, and what do you advise the people? Yeah. Well, that brings us, Dan, to Matthew 18, uh, 15 through 17. I, I'm convinced that this passage is, is the probably, it's among the most neglected, if not the most neglected passage in church life. And it's also, it's probably connected with this, one of the most misunderstood. Uh, it's, it, this is in, in the context of, interestingly, Jesus dealing with temptations to sin and how we're to, to deal with them, and then, interestingly, going after the, the lost sheep. And it's in that, with that backdrop that he says, if your brother, so we're dealing with church life here, sins against you, which it does, it does not actually have to be sin against you, as you were just talking about, but sins, with, say, within our field of vision, um, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. We'll come to that later. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And I think that's probably what we should focus on, just dealing with this aspect of what you brought up. Yes. What if this brother that has offended me just doesn't care to 
talk about it at all. And he gets he even gets more angry than he was. Yeah, yeah. and then that, that sadly that often happens. <laughs> well, I think let me let me kind of put this in a in the way I would deal with it pastorally. Um, let's say someone comes to me and says, Pastor Shishko, um, somebody. And, and I always say, if you're going to talk about a person, don't give me the name. That's very important. Mm. Somebody, uh, somebody has has been gossiping about me, and I, and I know this to be true. It's not hearsay. Um, what do I do? You always deal with people procedurally, and I'll say, well, Matthew eighteen fifteen, uh, sit down with the brother or the sister, and uh, first of all, tell the brother or the sister that you love him or her. I mean, we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters, and then raise raise the concern that's been brought. And see, again, it's it's not necessarily if he sinned against against you personally, but in your field of vision. Uh, let's say, I'll use a let's say you, you you've been around a brother or sister, and and, and with some regularity, uh, this person has been inebriated or semi inebriated. Um, love covers a multitude of transgressions. You know, maybe once a person overdid a little bit at a party, but that's not the person's life. But if you see a pattern, love, you know, love either covers or it confronts. So we're, we're assuming a confrontation situation here. Tell the person how much you love the person. Point, point out the sin, what you've heard or what you've seen. Um, uh, certainly ground this in the scriptures. Uh, there are people who have uh, viewpoints that, that, that are personal convictions that they have that may not necessarily be clearly biblical convictions. An uh, illustration I used years ago, we had a lady who's long since gone home to be with the Lord, and, and she had some mental difficulties. And, and she, belie- she believed that it was wrong to ever wear red, because red was the devil's color kind of thing. Well, that's not a sin if somebody comes to you with that, and that there's ways to deal with people when they have their own kind of personal hang-ups. Well, let's assume this is a sin. You, you, you're going to point out to the person gently that this is wrong and, and, and very important that if, in fact, this is true, or if you've seen this, the person really needs to ask for forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is when we've sinned. Apology... If you had, uh, for our interview, if you had, uh, I don't know, had, had a, uh, a delay for some reason, you had to call me 15 minutes later for this interview, you'd apologize to me. You didn't sin against me. Mm-hmm. Now, if you slept late, knowing you, you wouldn't, but if you slept late and basically stole time from me, you'd ask forgiveness. <laughs> this is asking for forgiveness. Um, and the person should should ask forgiveness. This is best-case scenario, and you, you grant forgiveness, and that means you won't bring this matter up to the person or to yourself or to the Lord or to anybody else. I mean, forgiveness is a massive topic. Now, what you're saying is, what if the person takes umbrage at this? The person gets very upset with all of this. Right. Well, telling them his fault just between the two of you doesn't necessarily mean just once. Um, and let's not look, look on this legalistically. But let's say the person person says, I basically bug off, there was nothing wrong with this, blah, 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 blah. Then the next step is, if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. This is, this is very, very misunderstood. Often this is read as, well, you've got to take one or two other people who have been witnesses to this sin.
really problematic mm-hmm. if the sin is something like a question about a person's sexual fidelity. You know, there's, there's some concern that maybe the person's been unfaithful to his wife or, or her husband or is a fornicator. I mean, you can't go around and say, hey, you know, do you have any information that might confirm that so-and-so is living <laughs> in sexual sin? You just can't do that. The witnesses, Dan, are witnesses to the actual confrontation, mm-hmm. where essentially you're, you're saying something like this. Um, you go to a, a mature, and I don't think there should be elders at this point, uh, but you go to another mature brother or sister um, and, and say, you know, I, I need your help. I, I have, I, I've had to deal with a brother. I've had to deal with a sister. Don't mention the name. About Let's use the example of temper. About about the sin of, of of temper and and or maybe using the Lord's name in vain or something like this. Um, I, I spoke with the person. The person did not respond well to what I said. I don't know. Maybe I'm off base. Maybe I'm. Maybe I didn't approach this properly. Uh, would you be willing to sit down and you know if it's you can try to start with one person. It, mm-hmm. It's going to scare you if you bring two in, but, you know, one or two others. Um, would you be willing to sit down with this other person and me? Please listen to what I say. Listen to what the person says. If I'm wrong, I want to be corrected. But if if the party I'm dealing with is wrong, I want him or her to hear from somebody else how serious this matter is. Mm. Now, I, I think, Dan... It's important. I mean, Jesus speaks about plucking beams out of our own eyes before we pluck splitters out of others. And there's and there's a there's kind of an interlocking character to these commands. I always have things I have to deal with. I could deal with somebody who's sinning and deal with them in anger myself. In which case, it's part of my growth in grace that someone says, uh, you know, Pastor Shishko. Your concern is legitimate. Uh, if you if you mention this to this sister uh, in that spirit last time, then quite frankly, that that is not proper. You perhaps need to ask her forgiveness. See something like this. Mm. So that's one aspect. The other is, of course, the person you've spoken with. If the person's even willing to have this meeting, and you do everything you can to do it, if then the person says, "Hey, I really don't," you can bring in a hundred witnesses. I don't care. I'm going to go ahead and do what I want. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone. Well, then, then you've got a further problem. We can tackle that one next. Okay. I don't want this to be a monologue. Yes. Well, hopefully, it would work out such that the very first um, occurrence of, of of me or or listener going to his friend and, and confronting them would would solve uh, the concern sure. and the person. You know, if they have good common sense and Christian love, particularly, would say, you know what, I didn't realize that I had hurt your feelings. Please forgive me. And and then the person who was offended uh, would forgive, and, and then he would forget about it. Well, yeah, forgive and forget, real, believe it or not, is not a biblical... I mean, the Lord doesn't remember our sins against right. us. It's hard to forget. Uh, for, forgiveness is really a commitment that you make. Yes. And, and you know, one thing, if somebody comes to me and, and says, uh, you know, Pastor Shishko, would you, would you forgive me for this? Mm-hmm. Never, and it's clearly something that's a sin. Don't ever say, oh, that's okay. Sin yes. is not okay. Wow. Say, say, you know, I didn't even realize you had done this. Um, sometimes I've had to say something like this. Look, I, I'm not convinced 
that the way you spoke with me was sinful. You were obviously passionate about something. I don't think you crossed the line. Mm -hmm. Certainly, you know, your conscience is grieved. I certainly forgive you. And that, again, is a commitment that I make. I'm not going to bring this up to them again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, if you're in a counseling situation, people have had a pattern with this, and you have to do it. That's one thing. uh, I'm not going to bring it up against you. So so I guess what I meant by forget was, was basically... Uh, don't bring it up and shove it in their face again, Correct. because it was already exactly. dealt with, and and forgiveness right. was was asked. Yeah, I always say, don't you don't we don't fish in these waters anymore. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you can just think of how this would transform marriages, Dan. Yeah. If we begin oh, yeah. with this, like this in a home, and of course yeah. that's why the Bible says don't don't let the sun go down on your anger or give the devil an opportunity. So we get to, if we're, if we're husband or wife, or we have children in the home, well, we get to practice this almost every day. <laughs> so it's a great school. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of truth to that. I don't know if, if the younger couples realize how much... Um, how much of that has to take place in the home, and and you, you just have to put aside uh, many of your own desires for for love for for your spouse. Yeah, and I think we've got to go back to the the basic one here. Uh, we don't want to make people offenders for a word. Uh, we all, where many words are, sin is not absent. My, if we were picked up, especially those of us who were do a lot of oral communication in our work, we were picked up on every word that was awry, we'd be, we'd want to crawl into a cocoon and not say anything. But, so love, love does cover a multitude of transgressions. Thank God we overlook a lot. (laughs) It's, it's when there's a a pattern that becomes, as you, as you put it, they've offended us, which is mean, which really doesn't mean just hurt us, but really even tempts us to sin. Or it's grieved us, or it's been against us, or, it's something that dishonors the name of Christ or that we believe dishonors the name of Christ, and it's a pattern. Mm-hmm. That's when Christians must, they, they can't succumb. They'll all, the people will say this, well, they're not going to listen to me. They, or, or, or it's something, that he, we don't do this. If, if the Lord tells us mm-hmm. to do something, then we need to do it and do it graciously. And it is a tremendous school for our own growth and holiness. Mm, yeah. Well, hopefully the person um, would would um, be willing to talk, and and uh, there would be a meeting of the minds and a mutual love. Um, if that didn't quite happen, then then a, a witness, as it were, right. uh, another brother or sister would would come along. And I like your your idea, that perhaps not elders yet, because there's another step here, and that is maybe we could talk about it now. Uh, if the person is just so stubborn, unwilling to hear. What is the next biblical step? Yeah, well, then, it, then the text says, and of course, you see how the Bible assumes church. Uh, I mean, it, it, we, we're right. in a culture in which increasingly church means nothing to people. They, they, it's just enough that they've accepted Jesus into their hearts, so to speak. Well, uh, that's, that's not saying the person may not be a genuine Christian, but that is it's highly irregular at best if people are not, not parts of visible, local expressions of the body of Christ that we call church. And that's what's in view here, when, when Jesus says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And here again, there's a diversity of viewpoint about, uh, about what this means. Uh, one view that, I, I, frankly, it, 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 it is not only reprehensible, but dangerous, 
is that somehow at this point in a congregational meeting, somebody just stands up and says, hey, we've spoken with Brother so-and-so about this, and Brother so-and-so hasn't listened. I mean, that's, that is, uh, that, that's a formula for disorder and argument and church splits, if not for legal cases. Uh, so that, that kind of a kind of a hyper-congregationalist view right. is not right. In our circles as Presbyterians, and I, and I think I commend this pattern regardless of our denominational title, church in the Bible begins with those who represent the church in their official capacity. In the Old Testament, all Israel, which at times was one and a half million people, when they went up to Moses, well, one and a half million people didn't surround Moses. There were there were elders of the various family groups and tribes, and those representatives would meet with, with Moses. And, and so in our understanding, elders in a congregation that are called out to rule in Christ's name, they, they would be approached by uh, the party, the, 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 the individual and the witnesses, essentially saying, and they don't probably still should not mention the name yet, um, we've dealt with a party, uh, about this, the person hasn't listened. Essentially, what do we do now? And there's where elders, in their work of rule, will explain to the people how this is to be handled in that given church structure. So in our church structure, in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, or yours, Dan, in the Presbyterian Church in America, there are actually a formal, they call it a charge, it's a formal statement of what was said to the brother or the sister um, with you know, the, the specific date it was done or dates or whatever with the biblical um, and confessional uh, uh, basis for this concern. And that's really important. At that point, the elders, this is all work of rule now, the elders who rule well are worthy of double honor. They're going to make, they need to make a decision about what to do with this and how to approach it. Um, in some cases, maybe they would find uh, this is just, it, it is too, it's too small a matter to be dealt with. In most cases, when it gets this far and they look at it, they're going to say, this is pretty serious. And, and again, there's different structures, but they will, they'll ask the party to come in, uh, con- confront the person lovingly, graciously with these charges, give, and, and, and in an orderly way, give that party an opportunity to defend himself or herself to, uh, in, in the presence of the person that's brought the charges. And let me just finish this, and then you can interact with me, because I know this may be kind of foreign to the listeners. Um, in that context, and this is a very pastoral approach, in a meeting that you have, which in our circles is actually called a trial, the party who has, who has been spoken with brings up his or her concerns, the other parties do the same, it's done in an orderly way, and then the elders must make a decision one way or another. Uh, either, well, this party really is not guilty, or the party is guilty, but it's not really as serious as maybe you thought it was, or, usually this is the way it is at this time, um, yeah, there, there's really a legitimate concern that's been raised to you. We commend our brothers and sisters for doing this, and, and dear brother, dear sister, you, there needs to be repentance for this. Now, let me let me stop there, because there's a further step, but interact with me. 
Yeah, I'm so glad, Bill, that you brought in the church. Uh, the text calls for it, certainly. Um, the elders are, um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that even the, the translation here of the word church is is uh, pointing to ecclesia or elders or that sort of thing. Well, ecclesia is a is a it's a, it's literally it's a gathered out body. Okay. Um, ecclesia means to be called out, and that's really what the church is. It's yeah. a called out body from the world. Here, here it's it's a local church. Uh, you know, you wonder when people say, "Well, I'm a member of the invisible church." How on earth would you tell this to the invisible church? Or, that's right. You know, I I I I watch a program from some church in Texas or something, you know, well, yeah. what, what do you do in that case with it? I mean, the whole, this it's not possible to, to carry out this text in anything other than the, other than the context mm-hmm. of a local body of people yeah. who know one another. Well, hopefully that uh, if it got to this point, and we hope it never does, frankly, but if it gets to this point, we, we hope and we pray that uh, the offended parties will will reconcile uh, in the presence of the elder or elders and and seek peace and and the body will profit from that exactly and and you hope in many cases what we call it technically a case without full process you don't you don't even get this far sadly you've got people who just leave a church or or the or the uh that's usually what it is. They'll usually just leave a church, and that, and then, of course, there still needs to be disciplinary action if people leave a church. Mm-hmm. That's a serious matter. But if if you're in a situation in which the person has been found guilty, we'll say, and there has to be a, a censure, a person uh, who is um, suspended from the Lord's Supper, for example, mm-hmm. for a period of time or indefinitely. Or if you go further in the process, there must be excommunication. Mm-hmm. Then you have a communication to the church as a body, and that there again, Dan, people have to be very careful. In our case, we had we had one like this recently. Uh, uh, what had been an indefinite suspension, we had to move to an excommunication, and mm. uh, there was a, a statement read to the congregation, and. That that should no no church officer should ever wing it in a statement like this, right? There, because we're in a litigious society, people there can be lawsuits, and every word is important. So we will, mm-hmm. as we did with this case, we had a meeting after morning worship. It was not a closed meeting because the sin that was involved was was pretty much a public sin. And uh, it's important for even visitors to realize the church is serious about carrying out discipline. Yeah. Statement was read, person was prayed for, directions were given for how to deal with the party who'd been excommunicated. You know, you pray he'll come back to the church, you show him love and grace, that kind of thing. But he can't be dealt with as a uh, still a, a member of the body of Christ. And then because a, a wife was involved in this counsel as to how to encourage her through this time. Mm. But these are serious matters. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at the clock, Bill, and unfortunately we got about two minutes left. Um, this is a fascinating discussion and a very helpful one, I hope, to uh, our listeners. Um, we want to seek reconciliation, yet we acknowledge that we're sinners 
and we will offend each other. And here our Lord has given us a very gracious way of dealing with these offenses. Hopefully they won't get to the point of of getting the elders involved and coming before the church. But, you know, I'm reminded of the fact also that one of these steps is to withdraw the Lord's Supper uh, from a sinning member. And that reminds me of of the notion that um, the Lord's Supper is to be administered by an ordained minister of the church. And in a church. It says when you come together as a church, yeah. the Lord's Supper is administered, sure. Yeah, so that's fascinating. Another minute, maybe you could wrap up this uh, with some thoughts now, Bill. Uh, it's Well, I think, Dan, if we could do another program, as I think we're planning to do, there's individual aspects of, of how we do this, and I'd like to flesh that out more. Mm-hmm. I think the most important point I would make to people not excommunication, but rather if you see a brother or a sister in what you believe to be a pattern of sin, it's a biblical responsibility to lovingly confront the person, as it says in Matthew eighteen fifteen, and realize context there, that that's part of our, our going after sheep who are wandering. So it's a sacred and, and a blessed, if difficult, calling. Yeah, well put. Well, if our listener has a question for you, Bill, I would urge them to send us an email to the following email address. It is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Again, that address, ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. And uh, we will forward your email to Pastor Bill Shishko. And uh, Bill, it's been a real delight to have you on the phone with us again today. Thank you very much. My privilege, Dan. Look forward to doing it again. (laughs) For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Oh